Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Amen. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad you made it here today. Can we uh, thank our worship team for that? Our worship experience and then the last little piece there. Man, that was a beautiful song. Such a beautiful song. All right. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you are good looking. Dang. Turn to your other neighbor and say, dang, you are good looking. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't. You guys are so weird. You're so weird. Uh, really, just, just kind of some housekeeping thing. I don't know why we say that as pastors, but a few things I want to mention. As Mark said, uh, I, over the next four weeks, starting a week from this Wednesday in the back room, is it 2.15? 2.15 in that back room. Uh, I'm going to spend about four weeks talking about the theology of work. I want to like flesh out what purpose is. I want to talk about, okay, your spiritual gifts. So it's, it's a, it's a big thing. And so we're going to have a lot of conversation. I'm really dialogical in my teaching approach. So uh, we go deep and then we like to talk about stuff. And so we're going to have a great time. We'll have coffee. Uh, I'm going to force you to watch a cowboy game. What? No, but so for four weeks, if you, if, so if you want to be a part of that, um, you, you can certainly go in the back end, sign up uh, for that. So that's going to be a great, we're going to have a great time. Um, also, over the next six weeks, we're, we're moving into like a, a, a new season. We're still going to be talking about healing and a lot of different things in, in terms of how God works in our lives. But we're going to be focusing on the theology of joy. I just kind of want to give you a heads up. We're going to, I think the church needs a little bit more joy. Some of you are just too sour-faced for me. My God. Check your face, right, when you come to church. Um, but no, uh, I think we need to talk about joy in church a lot more. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about that. I, I'm going to talk about that. This is going to be weird for you, but just kind of just, I'm, I'm just going to let it sit. I'm not going to even explain it. But I think we need as a church, we need to learn the spiritual, I'll say it this way, spiritual practice of play. What? I'm going to talk about that. Uh, and then we're going to move into delight. So you kind of see the theme. And then we're going to be talking about uh, rest and Sabbath for a good couple weeks. I think we need more rest. Uh, I think we need to learn the art of play and delight and joy. Um, we need, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. So uh, over the next, and I think this is a wonderful sermon series, series within the liturgical calendar of Eastertide. So what is our response 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, after we preach about it? I think it should be joy. Party. No? No, I know this church likes to party. You just don't like to tell people, right? We just want to channel the partying in a right way. So that's what we're going to be discussing over the next six weeks. So bring your homies, bring your friends, bring people who don't know Jesus. I promise you God's going to do something powerful in their life. So today, I'm going to be talking about blessing. Blessing. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Last night, I was with my family. And we were in the backyard. How many of you love sunshine? Man, it was a, it was a gorgeous evening. We have a, a, a really nice backyard. And so we were out there for like a good hour and a half. And so my, if you don't know, I have three sets of twins. 
And then I have my beautiful single daughter. She's 10. She's not a twin, but she is. Don't tell anybody else, but she's my favorite. All right. I love my Whitney. So we, we were having a great time. And what's funny is when, so Kelly and I, we were drinking some coffee late at night. I totally get it. But it's, when you're old, you just do whatever you like. And we're watching the beautiful sunset. And the kids were just like going all over the place. And they like to show off. When they know mom and dad is watching them, they love to show off. So King, he was like, he's fast, really fast. He's going to be the fastest kid in the city because his dad was. All right. Um, <laughs> some of you hate that joke, but I love it. It's true. It's true. Anyways, King's running around the yard. Like he's like yelling, I'm Sonic. And Presley's, he's preaching. And then, you know, kids are doing a lot of different things and they're just trying to show off. And I remember, in the, and so I have like four toddlers and three of them were just grabbing my face and saying, it got to the point where it was like, dad, 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 dad. You're like, okay, okay. So you're trying to focus on all your children. I didn't realize to my right, as I'm facing out towards the sunset, my daughter had come out. She's a really husky voice. She's going to be a preacher. And so she goes, Dad. A little wavy. And I turn and I just turn and I saw her and it was a sight to behold. She had these beautiful pink Mickey glasses. She had put makeup on on one side of her cheek lipstick is all over here. She's gorgeous, right? And then she had this, like, I don't know, this little pink purse kind of a thing. And I was able to look at her just for a second. And then I had my other toddlers grabbing my face. And so I had to, like, turn and focus on them and all that kind of stuff. Just dad, dad, dad. Finally, after about five or ten minutes after I initially saw my daughter and I had to turn back and take care of my other 7,000 children, I then heard this fine, like just really deep voice from my three-year-old daughter. And I look over and it was so adorable, but it was tragic. She, she looks at me and glares at me like she wants to fight me. She takes her glasses and just throws them. And then she throws her little toy thing. And then she just stomps off like her mama. I'm kidding. This is what I do, actually. I'm a fi- she, she gets her fiery red-headed temper from me. And she just like, hmm, hmm, as she walks off. And so the, the, the story turned, turned well. I mean, it, was, it would have been more tragic if it wasn't so adorable. I just loved the fiery passion in my daughter. She walked off, and we reconciled. She doesn't hate me this morning, right? We're, we're in good standing. So the question is, what did she want? She wanted something. So this is, this is my whole message today, which revolves around blessing. She wanted my blessing. Now, I got seven kids. I ain't Jesus. So I'm trying to distribute the blessing with my 70,000 children, right? Like, why am I talking like that? I don't know. I'm tired. You be quiet. And... And I wasn't able to fix my full attention on my daughter. She wanted my blessing, and it led to frustration and resentment and some extreme anger. So, so thank you for that laugh, Ashley. Here's the thing. Experts suggest, according to Ronald Rollheiser, that the deepest hunger in the whole world is for the Father's blessing. Without it... We carry a deep wound and a deep hunger for it. 
I believe there's a generation of young people that I, I think we just deal with symptoms, which is okay. I think we got to deal with symptoms, like cultural symptoms and why are they doing this and why are they doing this? That is totally fine. But I think what is driving our younger generation, I just like to say just our generation from young to old, what drives us is this bodily ache and this wound and this deep insatiable hunger for the Father's blessing. I think if you take all of our frustration and some of our depression and some of our anxiety, I want to be careful with how I say this because I know a lot of people have gone through a lot of difficult things, but I think just generally speaking, the things that drive us into frustration and into resentment and into hostility is this ache inside of us for someone's blessing. We want to be blessed. One researcher says this, in life, most adults... This is based on stats, guys, right? This isn't anecdotal. This is real life data. Most adults, how many adults do we have here today? Okay, all right. Some of you didn't raise your hand. Yes, you are an adult, right? <laughs> Adulting, right? In life, most adults live in a state, according to this researcher, in a state of chronic depression, which is different than clinical depression. Clinical depression can be very severe, and if you've ever experienced it, it feels like death. And thank God for good doctors and good medicine. And thank God for the Holy Spirit who can heal us. Can I get an amen, church, to that? We're not talking about clinical depression. We're talking about chronic depression. Most of us live under the weight and the sadness of chronic depression. So life feels like this. It feels flat. You kind of just everything objectively should be right, but you in deep inside of you, in your interior world, you feel flat. You also, it's hard for you to experience joy. You kind of, you walk around joyless. Or you could say it like this. Some people say it, call this chronic depression or name it as this. Life feels robbed of its color. It's sunny out, it's springtime, sun's out, gun's out. Things are gonna, it's, it's, you're waiting for summer and yet somehow inside of you, it feels still like winter. And so you, you're, you're kind of, you're trying to negotiate this weird dissonance between everything should be okay because everything on the outside is good, but inside I feel depressed. Or excuse me, inside I feel worn out and stressed, etc. What's the reason? Why do we feel that way? Well, because I think it's connected to a vacuum of blessing in our lives. It's connected to this unrecognized hunger in all of us that we want to be blessed by God. We want to be blessed by our fathers and our mothers. We want to be blessed by our trusted authorities. We want to be blessed by our community. We want to be blessed by our spouse. We want to be blessed by people that we love. Come on, somebody. We need Blessing. We need it. And here's the thing. When we don't have it, what do we do? We chase after it. How do we chase after it? Well, we chase after it in all the wrong ways. This is why sin, it hijacks your body, and then it disorders your longings and your desires and your mind, and you become a Raider fan, okay? So that's another story. But is it, is sin hijacks your body, it hijacks your joy. When you lose your joy, when you lose your sense of blessing, you start to chase after success. You, you, you start to chase after sex. You start chasing after the next high, right? Some of you, you love booze. Do we talk like that anymore, right? Some of you are addicted to booze. You're addicted to sex. You're addicted to pornography. You're addicted to these 
things that, that deform your mind and break up your relationships because ultimately your longing is shaped around being blessed and you're living from a non-blessed condition. Okay, so why do, why do, why we, why do we need blessing, Chris? Well, the story arc of the Bible is all about God blessing us. And we are creatures designed. The Bible tells us we are creatures designed for God's blessing. You can't live without God's blessing. You could try to live without God's blessing, but you can't. You can't for a little bit. I'm preaching this morning. But you need to live from God's blessing. That's the story arc of the Bible. We, we go all the way to Luke chapter 24, Jesus, right before his ascension. Ascension is just this coronation event where Jesus will eventually take authority, full authority over creation in his embodied state. And right before he ascends to his father, the last words that Jesus speaks over his disciples is, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do what the father wants me to do with you guys. Or... Woo, Peter, man, you know, you got your issues. I've kind of forgave you, but I just don't know if, if we're going to be able to do this, this whole thing, right? Jesus didn't say any of that. What Jesus did is he announced blessing over these broken, worn out, sometimes helpless disciples. Jesus blessed his disciples as he ascended into heaven. So if you like to read your Bible, how many of you like to read your Bible? All right, we love to read our Bibles. So here's the thing. When you read your Bible, the, the, Bible, the Bible is filled with these, what, what experts will call intertextual uh, echoes. So Luke 24 is an echo of Genesis chapter 1. God in Genesis 1, the creation story, fires the world into existence, right? Builds out the cosmos in verse 1. And then he starts to uh, arrange and he builds this beautiful garden for Adam and Eve. And then after he builds this beautiful garden for Adam and Eve, what does he do? He then blesses them. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. In other words, Yahweh wants to have covenant partners that he can work with so he can rule the wor world through love and justice. How many think justice is a good thing? And grace and life. And God wanted to do that with his covenant partners. He wanted to build communities, in the words of my professor, that are centered and revolved around beauty, justice, truth, wisdom, love, and that would be reflected back out into the world and that God would then cultivate all the earth through Adam and Eve and the communities that they build. So that's Genesis chapter one. Then we come back to Luke chapter 24, which I mentioned to you, and I'm almost done, and then we're gonna to get to this prayer that uh, we just uh, read from. Jesus then blesses his disciples, his covenant partners in the kingdom, in the work of the kingdom of God. And Jesus also entrusted his disciples with a sacred vocation of blessing the world. He goes up into heaven, not a disembodied place, but Jesus fully embodied. He's taking charge over all of creation. As he ascends, he blesses his disciples and then calls them and invites them into this sacred mission, vocation, however you want to say it, of blessing the world. You and I are creatures made for God's blessing. Do you believe that? I don't have enough time to like break it down. I would love to break it down today, but I don't have time to do that. So we are made for God's blessing. So let's get to our prayer 
really quick. This is a priestly prayer out of Numbers chapter 6. So we started with the Old Testament, we went back to the, uh, started with the New Testament, went back to the Old Testament, we went back to the New Testament, now we're back in the Old Testament. This priestly prayer of Aaron. It's sandwiched around Nazarite vows and then this celebration of offering for the building of the tabernacle. And right in between these two events, we have God telling Aaron through Moses uh, to bless the people. And I want to read this for you again, just as a refresher. I'm going to break this down, share a few, few thoughts, and I'm going to pray for you. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So when you look at a passage of scripture and you're really thinking about it and studying and you want to kind of figure out what's being said, the first thing that you want to identify are the commands. What is being commanded? Because commands imply intention and meaning. So if you can understand what the command is suggesting or saying, you can understand the meaning of the passage. What are the commands? Well, through Moses to Aaron, Yahweh tells them, I want you to say, say or to speak is a command. What do you speak? Speak blessing. So this whole passage is about blessing, but it suggests something deeper, guys. Are you with me? Don't get too quiet on me, right? It says something so profound about you and I. It tells us what our purpose is. A couple days ago, if you don't like basketball, that's all right, but just deal with it, all right? I'm going to give you a basketball illustration. Jimmy Butler played for Miami Heat. He has an incredible game. He, he, I, I don't know all of his stats, but in the fourth corner, he just gained it. Like he, just, he, took, he carried his team and they beat the Bulls and they were able to get into the playoffs. Well, I, I love it. ESPN analyst said this. It just seems like Jimmy Butler, in his words, Jimmy Butler, his reason on being on this planet Earth is to play playoff basketball. Like that's his purpose. Now, does Jimmy Butler have other purposes? Yeah, but I was like, wow, that's really narrow and specific, but I, I've been thinking about that comment and I think something like that is being said within the commands that you and I as followers of Jesus, if you were to get really specific, guys, why are we here today? Why? Is it just to listen to a guy scream at me? Or worship? So, to, to some really good songs? No, guys, we are here today, and the reason you are on planet Earth right now. Some of you were born in 1976. Some of you were born in 1982. Some of you were born in 1943. Some of you say, don't even name my year that was born. <laughs> but you were born for such a time as this to what? To bless the world. Bless it, not curse it. Bless it. Yet we live in a world of cursing. People curse all the time. We're not talking like profanity, 
We're talking about judgments. We're talking about criticism. We're talking about everybody's cursing everybody on Twitter. Everybody's cursing everybody in the political world. Everybody's cursing. Churches are cursing other churches. It is, it is bananas out there. And yet I think the world, they might not recognize it, but the world, you know what they want to see? They want to see some blessing from the, from the people of God. If they're really people of God, why are they always criticizing? Now, please hear me. There are things that I will criticize, right? I do it always in love. There are things that we have to talk about. We have family business sometimes on Sunday, and we got to talk about things, but we only do it within love. The problem that I want to address in the church is that all we do is criticize. The ratio is just turned upside down. For every blessing, we curse five times. When I think it should be flipped around, not curse, but we should bless five times and criticize one time. No? I wasn't planning on saying this, but I just feel like I need to say this. Is like, okay, we are not a community. As a, as a community that's organized around King Jesus, we are not a community that will be defined by what we're against. You know what that leads to? Tribalism. It's me and you, me versus you. And we get weirdly competitive. And you just, you, you turn like hyper, hyper strange. And no one wants to be around you. And you should see the look on your face. It's like, oh my God, you're a Christian? Well, the reason why is because all you do is define yourself by what you're against. Are there things, please, because I, I, some of you, you're in this season and you don't like what I'm saying, but I feel like I got to talk like this. I'm speaking to you out of love. And I'm saying, it, what I'm saying is that we don't criticize certain things. Guys, you know me. I talk about everything. And we got to talk about everything from love. But we're not a community that's going to be defined by what we're against. We should be a community that's defined by what we're for. Jesus for the people. <laughs> I don't know why I just bug-eyed you. I'm like, Jesus for the people. We're for the people. And we are called to bless the world. So we start with the command, the command, speak and say and bless. Then we move into three couplets. Verse 24 says, the Lord bless you and keep you. What does blessing mean? We've talked about this before. Blessing in the Greek means to speak well of. I like the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is more full. It's more robust. It means to, uh, or it relates to the full expectation or intention of God on your life. To bless someone is to say, I desire the full expectation of God to be actualized in you. And what does that mean? God, to bless someone means, or the Lord to bless you means that he wants every dream of his for you. Every blessing that is available through him for you, he wants that to be actualized. You serve a God that wants to bless you. And that means he wants you to move into flourishing as a follower of Jesus. Some of us, we just think that God just gives a little bit and that's about it. And then we got to hobble through life. We get a little bit of grace and we get a little bit of, we get scraps from the table of grace or peace or a little bit of joy. But I think we can, as a community, 
If we really understand what this prayer is about, how God desires to bless us, we'll open our lives up to the Holy Spirit and we will move into a season of blessing and flourishing where you're not hobbling around in this chronic state of joylessness where life is robbed of its color and we just drag ourselves to church and then we drag ourselves home and we eat a little barbecue, we get a little bit of joy and then we wake up Monday morning and it's, it's all over again. Joylessness, joylessness. But I'm fighting the good fight of faith, Chris. <laughs> Picking up my cross. Too many Christians are like that. Picking up my cross and I'm going to go after this next week. Some of you are way too serious. You're more serious than God is. Pick it up my cross, right? I gotta save the world. You, number one, you're not a WD, WWE wrestler, all right? Stop it. Stop it. You're a follower of Jesus and you should live within joy. May the full expectation of God be upon you. Wow. Some of you should say, wow, all of his blessings God wants to give you. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. And that means, and here's the greatest insight that you could, today, that you could have. If we believe that God wants his full intention, expectations to be actualized in you, that he wants you to flourish in life, then the greatest insight that you could have right now is that every voice in your head that says you're worthless, that shames you, that says you're unlovable, the greatest insight that you could have is say, that does not come from God. And some of you are living in the sunken place. That's a movie, but let's move on. Some of you are living from a place of these inferior voices that dominate your mind. You're worthless, your, your best days are behind you, and it's just shame, 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 and condemnation, condemnation, and you don't realize, some of you actually come to believe that's God. The greatest insight that you could have today is that God only wants to bless you. Yeah, of course he comes and corrects us, of course he comes and brings rebuke, especially if you're an Eagle fan. But God's overall intention for your life is blessing. I just, I love this. I, you could, today, you could take great comfort if you are in Christ. You could take great comfort knowing, I love this, that you don't have to believe every thought that runs through your head. Some of you, man, it's stinking thinking. That's my father's term. My academic term is path, pathologized thinking. You think in a pathological way. Every inferior voice that runs through your head, you believe it. And you have no joy because of it. And you have no peace. The greatest insight that you can have today is that that does not come from God. God's intention is to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. That Hebrew word is shamar. Everyone says shamar. Shamar is used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, when God tells Adam and Eve to shamar the garden or to keep it. The basic definition of that word, there's a range of meaning in that word. It just simply means to take care of the garden. 
So when it says that the Lord wants to keep you, what does that mean? That God's going to take care of you. That your life is like that garden. And that God, man, he's the, he's the greatest cosmic gardener in the world. And that God's going to help you get the weeds out of your life. He's going he's to give you good soil. I'm a gardener, so I know this kind of stuff. My wife is, not me. You need good nutrients, good soil for things to grow. God's going to give you good soil. He's going to give you a good place to, to be at. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. Uh, he's going to let the sun shine on you. You need, you need sunshine. You, you, need, you need rain. You need, you need all the care that comes from, obviously, weather and from the gardener. And God is the one who takes care of you and brings your life into flourishing. So even though we go through ugly times and we go through difficult times and we go through bad times, we can, we, can, we can have comfort today knowing that God works out everything for our good so he can bring us into flourishing. This is, I, I say this all the time, but John 20 is one of my favorite passages, and I love it. Mary, in this post-resurrection story, sees Jesus, doesn't recognize Jesus, and mistakes Jesus as a what? A gardener. This is how God is with us. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Verse 25, uh, the second couplet. The, more, the, the Lord make his face. I'm almost done, and then I'm going to pray for you guys. The Lord make his face. That's in two hours, so let's just, you know. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. What does it mean for someone's face to shine upon you? Well, I just, I don't know about you. It's just like the last few weeks I've been longing for spring. I'm quoting Shakespeare in my head. Now the winter of our discontent has turned glorious summer, like over and over and over. It's like, when is the glorious summer going <laughs> to? It snowed this week. <laughs> Do we need to move, guys? No, I'm kidding. No one go back. No, you stay here in Idaho. This is God's country. But it's just like uh, uh, yesterday, I, we were outside and we, we had like some sunshine. I remember putting my face in the vitamin D rays. Whew, felt good, yeah. right? And we talk about this all the time. Um, bad things grow in the dark, but good things grow in the light. Make his face shine upon you. When we receive the light of Christ, when the Holy Spirit is working and we're open to the Holy Spirit working in our lives, it brings growth and flourishing in transformation and be gracious to you. What is gracious to you? Is it simply, oh, God's going to be lenient with your issues, your dysfunction, your bleeding, that song we just sung, and you're broken, so God's just going to kind of just, you know, give you kind of a pass or whatever? No. Gracious is Exodus 34 stuff. And in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, it says, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Graciousness is a rev full revelation of who God is. Grace is not just simply being lenient. Grace is God's radical commitment to his covenant partners to bring shalom in their lives. The Lord is gracious with you, that he's radically committed to us in absolute faithfulness and love. 
This is how God is with us and our sin and our wounds and our pain and our, some of you are scoundrels and you know you are, right? We are broken people and yet how is God with broken people? It's gracious. Not just, we're not talking lenient. We're talking he comes in in the middle of our brokenness and our bleeding and our wounds and our dysfunction and our sin and he brings forgiveness and he brings life and he brings healing. I know we've been talking about this for the last three months, but this is something, this is a rule of communication that I follow by. It's not until I get sick of saying something that the church gets it. So I'm at the point of getting sick of saying some certain things. And I know that's when you start to get it. We're all like that, right? And I know we're getting it. I'm talking to you throughout the week. We're getting this. We, we believe that God comes to us in our pain and our sorrow and our suffering and brings grace. And then it says, last couplet, verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. What does it mean to give peace? or to lift up your countenance. What does it mean? Lift it up. We're looking at birds in the sky and helicopters and planes. What does it mean to lift up, to, for God to lift up his countenance upon you? It means to recognize. It means to notice. It means to acknowledge. It means to see. It means that God does not ignore you. Some of you feel ignored today. Some of you, you feel like your prayer life is like a ceiling you go and pray for about five minutes. You're like, oh my God, this is, God, you're nowhere. I'm bored. My prayers, it feels like it just hits this invisible ceiling. So I'm just, you know, feel ignored, right? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that God knows you, sees you, acknowledges you. That is the deep need that we have to be seen by our Father. I've talked about this many times before. Uh, but one, this would have happened like 25 years ago. I was in youth, maybe a little past youth. I was 18, 19, 20. And there was a youth leader, great guy, not trying to throw him under the bus, but it's funny. He would walk down the hallway and I remember I would see him and I'd get ready to say, because we would see each other from a distance and I'd get ready to say, hey man, right? Just kind of open up and smile and be nice. And this is usually what would happen in the hallway. He's a great guy. He would just kind of walk. I'm about ready to say hi. He put his head down and would ignore me. And I'm like, okay. I, and I remember thinking in the moment, did I do something? Do you not like redheads? <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. I'd be like, what? And it kept on happening and happening. It's like, like I, I, I got to the point where if I saw him down the hallway, I'd like go the other way because he just, and sometimes, he, you know, I, I recognize that he would get lost in his thoughts and he, he wouldn't pay attention. But this is what happens with non-recognition. Non-recognition creates the possibility. When you're ignored, it creates the possibility of distorting reality. When we don't, even if, we're, even if we're not intentional, even if we're unintentionally ignoring people or not recognizing people, it creates the sense, it can create the sense that people are not worthless. So I'd be like, I'd, 
for a while, I would go down the hallway and I would see him and then he would look up and I'm like, ah, and then he looked down and I'm like, oh, and then he look up and I'm like, oh, and then he would like, oh, oh, what's wrong with me? And then he would look up and I'm like, oh, you know, it's just like the weirdest yo-yo relationship thing. Again, this guy, again, not trying to throw him under the bus, but how many times do we do that? Like we don't recognize or we feel like we're not recognized. Here's the thing, as one author says, in the gaze of true recognition, there is a deep blessing. In the gaze of true recognition, there is a deep blessing. Do you know the Father in heaven, your Father in heaven, his gaze is on you? Well, you don't know the season that I'm in. You don't know the dysfunction that I've participated in. You don't know the stuff that I'm going through. God, where are you? Well, his gaze, according to his word, is upon you. We know, we know, we know, we know, we know there is just something powerful when you see friends and their face lights up, right? Or when you see, you go through Starbucks, you do it every day, and they see you coming and they light up and they want to have a conversation with you. What? There's a deep blessing in that. There's, there's, there's life in that. My daughter, Wave, again, she... A couple weeks ago, I was studying in my study of these glass windows, and she would come back and forth. She put on her princess outfit, and she would just kind of come back, or she would cross, and she would look. And I remember I saw something in my peripheral, but, you know, I'm doing the Lord's work. Right? I'm, I'm getting ready to preach on Sunday, talking about blessing. And my daughter's like, you know, she did it about eight times. And then she would skip, you know. And at one point, she took off her dress. I'm like, what are you doing, right? As you're trying to get my attention. Guys, that's a picture of your soul. Don't you? Wow, I'm an introvert. I don't need people. Stop it. We all need the true recognition of good friends and trusted authorities and people that we look up to, but most importantly, what drives us, the deep hunger of our soul, is we want to know that heaven recognizes us. And I'm here today to declare that if you are in Christ, you're recognized. God sees you. He knows you. He's not ignoring you. And then finally we have, and may the Lord give you peace, that's shalom. Shalom is a beautiful, breathtaking, multifaceted word. It means flourishing, it means every relationship in your world is well-ordered. It means every ought and how this world is supposed to be by God's design comes true in your life. May you have the peace of God. And then we end Verse 27, so, sh so they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. What does that mean to put God to put his name on you? It means that God is claiming you as his. God is claiming you as his. So as we close here, how do we do all this? Well, number one, I want you to remember, what is your purpose today? Help me out. To bless the world. Our purpose here today is to lift the curses off of people. Our purpose today is to lift the depression off of people. It's to lift people out of the sunken place, 
out of their despair. Our purpose is to bless and to recognize and to acknowledge the world. We are blessing people. You are on this planet for this reason. So how do we do this? Well, let me just say this really quick. Your healing, because there are people in here today, you're like, I need healing. I need wholeness. I don't feel blessed. Let me just say this. Your healing, your wholeness is intimately bound up in blessing other people. You, and so what I'm saying is you can't be whole if you refuse to bless other people. It's an impossibility in the kingdom of God. What does it mean to practically bless? It means to speak well of. It means to recognize people. It means to give your life away. We've talked about this, kind of the anatomy of blessing a couple months back. But here's the thing. As one scholar says this, the mark of a, a deeply mature disciple of Jesus is to bless the world. This is what you are formed for. This is why you are sucking oxygen in your lungs or whatever, right? This is why you woke up this morning. Not just to play fantasy football, but we're not there yet. Not just to have a great spring day. Not just to have an incredible family or an incredible business or whatever. Those are great things. Not saying anything against that. Ultimately, you are here for a purpose to bless the world that is cursed. But you can't truly be blessed if you only receive but never give. You're a dam. Or if you, look, if you think about a body of water, you, a body of water, if there's only uh, inflow but no outflow, sorry, body of water experts, what happens? That body of water becomes stagnant and it becomes polluted. This is what happens with Christians when we only receive on Sunday and we never give and we never bless and we never release and we never serve and we never recognize other people. Well, Chris, you don't know how I need healed. Yes, I know there's seasons of healing, but there has to be a point, and I've realized in 25 years of ministry, probably the greatest thing that I can tell someone who's addicted to porn and someone who is in the throes of chronic depression, not clinical depression, but chronic depression, is the greatest way you get out of that is you gotta give yourself away. And I say that with compassion. And there's obviously other things that I address, but ultimately I'm realizing, guys, our wholeness is tied to learning the practice and the art of blessing. Because that's what you're made for. You're made for that, to give yourself away. So here's the problem, really quick. There are a lot of people in the church that in Christ they're free, but practically or existentially they're not free. And in part, they're not free because they're habitually asphyxiated by their own sense of non-blessing. So some people are saying that I'm not blessed by my father. I'm not blessed by my mother. I haven't blessed, been blessed by a pastor. I'm going to correct that today. I haven't been blessed by my community. I haven't been blessed by other authorities that I trust. And so I can't bless other people. Yes, there's one. Th th let's stop. Compartmentalize. And I just want to address that really quick. Yes. There are things that we can process that, that, that are wise ways of dealing with a non-blessing in your life. There's healing that can take place. But if we're not careful, that sense of non-blessing, that narrative of non-blessing can suffocate 
your purpose. And when you lose your purpose, you lose everything, guys. Your purpose, again, isn't success. It isn't to be the best looking. It isn't to have everything. It isn't power. It's not fame. I promise you, Jim Carrey even said it. I wish everyone would be blessed with fame and money and they would realize it doesn't give you anything. Your purpose is to bless the world, to release the curses off of people. And when you begin to enter in, even though you might have, might, you know, your family of origin, or maybe your mom or your dad didn't bless you, you still, because if you're in Christ, you have a father that blesses you. You have a father that sees you. You have a father that delights in you. And because of that recognition, you can move into the blessing of God. So if you feel stuck today, if you feel um, afraid today, if you feel like you're suffering from low-grade depression today, uh, if you want to flourish but you don't feel like you're flourishing, if you want to be free today, the greatest way to get unstuck in life, to regain your freedom, is to practice blessing the world. Bless your family. Bless your friends. Bless your coworkers. Bless the Starbucks person. Bless the person in the grocery store. Bless the person in traffic that just cut you off. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. So how do we do this? And I'm done. How do we do this? This week, I'm going to hand out a prayer, this prayer, number six, and I want you to pray this over your families. So if, if, if you have a family, I want you to take one day out of, out of this week, sit down at the table, take your family, if you have your children, your kids, have a meal with them, pray this prayer over them, pray the blessing of God, and then I want you to go to all your seven, I mean, you probably have two, okay, or three or four kids, whatever it is, and I want you to say two things that you love about them. Well, Chris, I don't like my children. <laughs> Come on, said every parent, except I've always loved my beautiful Whitney down here, right? Here's the thing. We are called to bless our family, and I just realized our kids need to know that we see them and we love them. We need to bless this younger generation. We need to, we need to serve them. We need to see them. So, Take a table, take a time, get your kids around it, bless them. If, you're not, if you don't have a family, take your friends, get together, find a place. I don't care where it's at. Have a meal, have fun, and then pray this prayer over each other. And then say what you appreciate about each person. Uh, this week, go to your place of work and pray this prayer over people. Next Sunday, when you come, recognize and see as many people as possible. Don't do this, do this. No, yes. No, yes, do this. See, 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 see people. This is how we bless the world. And everyone said, amen. amen. Can you give God a hand? Really quick. If you want this, this little prayer, you can, you can go to your Bible. If you have a Bible, Numbers chapter 6, but we also have printed it out. Just raise your hand if you would like this prayer. We can just hand it out to you so it's a really quick kind of a thing. Just raise your hand really quick. The ushers are going to hand this out to you. This is what I want to do right now. I'm going to pray this prayer over all of you from your pastor. And I want you to know that your pastor sees you. I love you. Guys, I think we're part of the greatest church in the United States of America. We are blessed. 
So I'm going to pray this over you and I'm going to release God's blessing over you. And then I want you to release God's blessing on you to other people this week. Okay. So I'm going to do that as we're finished, almost done here, but I, I, I felt this strongly in prayer this morning. This is what I want to do first. I think the older generation needs to pray for the younger generation. I think the younger generation, man, they got their struggles. They got their issues. If we're not careful, if you're over 40, you've seen enough of life, you get cynical and you get weird or you get crusty, or if you're not careful, you get competitive with the younger generation or you get very judgmental. You're like, well, we didn't do it in like that in 1984, you know? And this isn't to say that we can't speak truth in love over the younger generation, but guys, this younger generation more than ever, what they need is blessing. They need blessing. You might say, well, there's all these different problems. And I just want to make the argument. Yeah, they're responsible for those problems without question. But I think what's driving them is this hunger for God's blessing. And they don't know what to do with it. So they're chasing after all the wrong stuff. So if you're over 40, I want you to stand right now. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are not standing. Be honest. <laughs> I see you stand up. No, I would never do that to you. Okay. All right. So you see everyone else that's sitting. Okay. So this is what I want you to do. I want you. Do we have that? Can we put the prayer up behind me? We're almost done. It's coming. I think the prayer is coming. Okay. We're going to pray this prayer. If you're standing, I want you to stretch forth your hands. This is practice. Find someone that's sitting, stretch forth your hands. This is going to be awkward. I get it. We're going to deal with awkwardness in church. Hey, we're not waving flags and there's no fire tunnel today. So get over the awkwardness. Okay. We just want to bless our young people. So we're going to pray this. Just agree with me and you can mouth this. You can say this. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, and we say this over everyone under 40. Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Keep your hands stretched forward. We bless every young person under the age of 40. Bless them. Fill them with grace today. Let your face shine upon them. Let them know your love and your blessing. I pray you would come and heal the ache in their hearts. I pray that you would do a, a profound and deep work of healing in them. Lord, I thank you that you have great plans. Everyone say great plans. Man, you have big plans for Gen Z, millennials, yeah, millennials, Gen Z and Alpha. God, you're doing a wonderful work in our young people. And we thank you that you're going to raise them up to declare the testimonies of the goodness of God to their generation. So we call them blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right. All right. You can give God a hand quickly. Quickly, I know that was awkward. Ah, oh, some of you are like, I'm never coming back. Please come back. Everyone stand really quick. Stand really quick. I'm praying this over everyone, okay? Everyone lift up your hands. If this is your church, if this is not your church, you don't have to do this. As your pastor, I'm saying from everyone who's young to old, 
All the 90-year-olds, 100-year-olds, all the way down to every child, I declare the Lord bless you and keep you this week. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and as the pastor of this wonderful church, I bless, in proxy with all of our elders, I bless Capital Church. Every father, every mother, every grandfather and grandma, every preteen, teenager, 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, 60-something, every child, infant, toddler, walker, everybody. We pray and declare the blessing of God on them, that you would keep them and you would bring them into flourishing in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, One last thing. One last, could you just bow your heads and close your eyes, and then I'm going to give it over. We're going to worship. Really quick, we're almost done. If there's anyone here today, you would say, Chris, I, I'm living under a curse. I'm not following Jesus. I want to get into the blessing. The Bible makes it very clear. Jesus went to the cross. He took on the curse. He took on our depression. He took on our sin. He took it in his body, and then he bodily came back from the dead, and guess what? He released his blessing over you. So with every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but you would say, Chris, I want to make a decision today to follow Jesus. I want to go from cursing and brokenness and sin into blessing, flourishing, and life through Jesus. You might not understand fully what that means, but you just, today, you want to make a start. You want God to do a fresh work in you. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you. And on the count of three, if you want me to pray with you, could you just lift up your hands? One, two, three. Anyone like that? No one's looking. Anyone like, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. See, thank you for that hand. I see, thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. So Father, I bless those who raised their hands in Jesus' name. If you raise your hand, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Church would also like you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for your forgiveness and I put my trust in you. I thank you that you took the curse for me. You took my wounds for me. You took my sin for me so that I can have life and blessing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.